The Source of Truth is an audio recording of Pastor Ronnie Love sharing Christian encouragement and biblical truth. We hope this podcast can help make your path a bit brighter today. Psalms 119.105 says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Good morning and thanks for joining us this morning on this Monday edition. I hope you had a great weekend. I hope you had a great day in church yesterday, whether you were able to go to church or you watch online. I really hope it was an encouragement as you spent some time worshiping our Savior and just to be encouraged in God's Word. And uh, if for some reason you missed some of it, at least here at Grace Baptist, I know we live stream it all. You can find it on Facebook. You can find it on YouTube. You can also just find just the sermon portion. I'll be out later this week, uh, just yesterday's sermon portion. Uh, so you can follow along with with the series through Philippians. We put it up there, hopefully it'll be encouragement. You can find it on our new YouTube channel. Uh, it's Grace Baptist Church, Bakersfield, California. We added that to clarify the old ones kind of being eliminated, uh, but it gives us a chance for a lot more freedom. So that's a great opportunity, way for you to connect and see what's going on and follow along with us. Uh, this morning, we're in Matthew chapter four. Uh, we're going to jump into a passage that is relatively popular, as many of people know, are familiar with the story of the temptation of Jesus. And you want and, and you begin to wonder, what was the purpose? What was God trying to achieve? Why is it in Scripture? What can we learn from it? And so this idea of temptation is one of those topics that, that they have all kinds of different perspectives on. Um, why are we tempted? What tempts us? Are we speaking? Are we sin? Are we in sin just being tempted? When does it turn to sin? Things of that nature. And uh, great questions. And something that if, we, if we're not careful, Satan can use to really beat us up. He can really beat us up with it. He can make us feel guilty. And in many occasions where God has already forgiven us and told us to go enjoy freedom in this. So, so there's some of that we'll learn. And there's some great principles about what, how Jesus responded and why Jesus is even in this scenario. So let's look at Matthew, 4, Matthew chapter 4, beginning in verse 1. It says, Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Now, I think it's important to catch in this first verse that this was not accidental. Jesus was led into the wilderness, but it says here, for the purpose to be tempted by the devil. I, he was put there as an example. He was put there to teach. Uh, I think one of the things we're going to see is one of the things you see in the temptation of Jesus is the beginning of his ministry. It was written down. You see the conflict. Now, a lot of people want to say, all of this is a war between Jesus and Satan. Please let me clarify why that is not possible. Um, they're not equal. Jesus is God. Satan is an angel. Jesus is the creator of all things. Satan was a created being. Uh, they're not equal. Jesus has already won. Now, while Satan has been given an immense amount of power, the Bible in Ephesians says he's the prince of the power of the air, um, there is no Jesus, Satan trying. Je Satan's trying to foil Jesus' plan, but there is no battle there, really. I mean, there's conflict and Satan's trying to fight, but Jesus has already won. Uh, there is not an equality of power there. Uh, so he goes out there. One of the things you see when, why Jesus went to be tempted was to prove his humanity, because that was a necessary part to understand when he went to the cross, that he was 100% man, 100% human, which we see in Philippians. But we also see that he was 100% God. Uh, many people run to a term, it's a theological term called the impeccability of Jesus Christ, and it becomes a theological debate. Impeccability states that Jesus could not have sinned because he was 100% human. The battle some people have with is, well, can he be 100% man and then not been able to sin? Now, you can debate that all day long. My opinion is that he could not have sinned. His divine nature made it impossible. But even then, if you want to say he could have, the fact is he did not. He lived his entire life, went to the cross, having never sinned. So we know that this is here to teach us, to see his humanity, to see that he did endure the temptation. He endured the physical 
limitations of human nature just like we do. He, we, he wants us to understand that part. Because uh, in Hebrews, you know, he's like a, a high priest tempted like, we, are, like as we are yet without sin. It's important to see he was just like that. He was a great example. Now, we understand as an example, he was Jesus. He did not sin. We're never going to be completely there until we get to heaven. But there's some great truths we can learn from this. So he was led there. Uh, verse 2, and when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights afterward, he was hungry. Uh, it just makes common sense. Can you imagine how hungry you would be having fasted that long period of time? A simple fasting, giving up food for the purpose of a priority in prayer. You're giving up food. Now, I know in some scenarios, especially 40 days, some diabetic things, that some people this would be complicated, but the simple principle is giving up something that you enjoy for the purpose of putting extra time in prayer. Generally, it runs to food. Generally, it's a day. Some people, they just fast a meal a day. Some people fast the entire day. Uh, there's, you know, generally people get up and go in the morning. They wake up and go to bed. They don't eat that day. Uh, that's the general premise, but it doesn't have to be bound just to that. The simple premise is this. Are we willing to give up something that is rightfully ours, meals, things of that nature, entertainment, to set that aside to make a time to pray? And that's what Jesus was doing. He was giving us a great example of this. So he comes to the end of these 40 days, verse 3. Now when the tempter, this is Satan, came to him, he said, If you are the Son of God, command that these stones become bread. Verse 4, but he answered and said, It is written, men should not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. A couple great principles here we'll see. Number one, it's obvious Satan was watching because Satan caught on to the fact that Jesus was hungry. He'd been fasting. The Bible says he's like a roaring lion walking about seeking who he can devour. And so that's true. That same thing happened to Jesus. He watched, he found him in his weakness, and he recognized the human nature that Jesus had taken on. And he used it as an opportunity to try to catch Jesus in his weakness, which he'll do, by the way, for you. That's one of the reasons we, if you can, you find church attendance to be a great thing because the more you are alone, the stronger Satan gets because God designed us to do this together. God designed us to need other people. And the more we isolate ourselves, the more we set ourselves aside and say, I'm fine by myself, the weaker we become because we are not designed to be that way. So what a great principle. But then remember, he uses scripture. He uses scripture, he quotes Deuteronomy, and uses scripture right back at Satan. Uh, you can, you know, and don't get me wrong, I don't believe just quoting a scripture eliminates temptation. I hope you understand that. But I do think it does come to the point where the truth of Scripture is something we hold on to. The truth of Scripture, the promise of the Scripture, what we hold on to. I used to think if I just quoted a magical word, all my temptations would disappear. Quoted a verse, it would magically disappear, which didn't happen for me. But the great principles there necessary that he went to the Word of God for his answer. Let's continue in verse 5. Then the devil took him up into a holy city and set him on the pinnacle of a temple and said to him, if you are the Son of God, throw yourself down for it is written satan's quoting scripture he should give his angels charge over you in their in their hands they should bear you up lest you dash your foot against a stone verse 7 jesus said to him it is written again you shall not tempt the lord your god now please remember these three steps you see the lust of the flesh the lust of the eyes and the pride of life this would be under the pride of life Satan's tempting him and who he is. Listen, you can go prove. The other principle, which I read this morning, I thought was great. Satan's trying to get him to prove who he is as Messiah before he gets to the cross. Let's sidetrack God's plan, will. Let's sidetrack God's will. Let's move beyond this and let's get to something that would be better. And that's what Satan wanted. Get, get, get God outside, get Jesus outside of God's will and defeat the entire purpose. And uh, so he uses scripture. And of course, Jesus comes back to the same answer. Verse 8. Again, the devil took him up an exceedingly high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. 
And he said to him, all these things will I give you if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, away with you, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only you shall serve. Then the devil left him and behold, angels came and ministered to him. I find it interesting. The first thing we see is that Satan's going to God and saying, I will give you the nations of the world. Please remember, he had been given. He's the prince of the power of the air. Right now he is. He has a lot of power, freedom in our world. And so he was offering God this. Now this is, you know, lust of the eyes. Let me see, let me, in pride, let me get all of this that I can give to you. And Satan does this a lot. Look at everything I can offer you. He did this in the garden to Eve. God's holding out on you. Is he not letting you eat of every tree of the garden? If I did this, you know, you, you will be as gods, knowing good and evil. This is what Satan does from the beginning. This is how he attacks us, and he did it with Jesus. And, of course, Jesus quotes Scripture, and he places himself, reminds Satan that you are creative being, that Jesus is still God, still your God. You still answer to him. And, uh, and so he comes in with the desire to use that pride and that opportunity. Satan uses the same thing today. He uses the same thing against you, the same thing against me, the, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. Right? He, he deals with what we want, our desires. He deals with our pride, how we want to live, what we can see, what we can gain from this world. He still does the same thing. So let me just finish with a couple of thoughts in this area of temptation. Remember, it is the word of God that gives you the strength. While quoting one scripture may not eliminate it, the truth in scripture is what you hold on to. How do I endure? How do I deal with it? The question I asked at the beginning, am I sinning because I'm tempted? You know, the Bible says there's no temptation taking you but what is common to man. So temptation alone is not a sin. We all struggle with it. Temptation comes, it says, every man is, every man is sin when he's drawn away by his own lust and ties. Every man is tempted when he's drawn away by his own lust and entice. See, our own desires pull us into this. Temptation is unfortunately part of life. It's when we yield to it, it's when we follow it that it turns into sin. And But when it does, we go to Jesus, we get it right, we confess our sin, and we move on. See, Satan, Satan wants you to live in guilt and imprisonment over your temptation, over your sin. Jesus says, I've already forgiven, and I want to give you freedom from it. If you've never been saved, that's the starting point. If you've been saved, learning to live in that freedom, learning to confess your sin, and to embrace the forgiveness Jesus has given is powerful. And then as you move forward, learning to live in the power and the freedom that comes where temptation does not have to consume me. I'll finish with this thought I've used several times. I think that's a great truth. It's not original with me. One preacher made this comment that when you deal with temptation, you have to understand the five-second rule. Once you are tempted to do something, you really have about five seconds to make the decision. If you choose in those five seconds to step away from the temptation, you've won and you will not fall to it. If in those five seconds you wait and you wonder, you're not sure, you're more than likely going to fall into that sin, which is a great truth. So immediately just walk away, ask God for grace, trust in the truths and move forward and learn you don't have to live in the imprisonment of your sin and guilt and you can enjoy the freedom and realize Satan wants you to worship him. Satan wants you to follow him. And Jesus told us we do not have to live in that level of guilt. Thanks again for joining us this morning, giving us the opportunity to be part of your day. We appreciate it. Hope you have a great rest of your day and a great week, and we hope you join us again tomorrow.